The next challenge for you is to choose your framework. This is a step that you only deal with when you're working in fake doc films. It doesn't actually apply to standard narrative films. When I say the word framework, I'm referring to the meta explanation for the existence of the footage. In a standard narrative, the audience is never supposed to consider the idea that what they're watching was recorded by a camera. They pretend the camera doesn't exist. But, as we've already established, the camera becomes a character and a participant in a fake doc film. But that also means there has to be some reason the cameras are recording these events. The framework isn't as simple as just explaining why anyone might have a camera running at that particular moment. It's more of a big-picture explanation of the overall construction of the footage you're watching. The easiest way to explain the framework is to ask these two questions. 1. What was the purpose of shooting this footage to begin with? Not your purpose as a filmmaker, but the purpose for the characters in the story who are shooting it. 2. Is the purpose of the shooting apparent in any way from the style and assembly of the final product? By asking those two questions, you should have most of the information you need to figure out your framework. However, because we're working backwards, we may be choosing our framework based on the constraints of what we have to work with. So let's take a look at a list of the six major categories of framework. And while we learn what they are, we'll also see what the advantages and disadvantages are from a filmmaking perspective. Number one, fully produced documentaries. In this framework, the film that you're making reflects a completed documentary work in every way. This includes the opportunity to have technical flourishes that the other subcategories don't contain. Source music, slow motion, subtitles, on-screen captions, things like that. Uh, because the fake film is emulating an actual completed work that has made its way through the entire production process and gained post-production quality as a result of it. Some of the films that would fall into this category are the comedies of Christopher Guest, such as Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, and the Peter Jackson film Forgotten Silver. More often than not, the fully produced documentaries are dramas or comedies. Horror films, for the most part, tend to have characters die, tapes get buried, and wild circumstances occur that no one would believe. So those stories don't work as well in this framework. However, there have been successful examples of this, such as The Taking of Deborah Logan. Uh, from an audience perspective, this kind of framework is great for two reasons. First, because it most closely resembles the shape of the actual documentaries that they are mimicking. And second, the completed documentary framework allows you to sneak back in some of the classic narrative elements, like musical scoring and cinematography. The flip side of this is that the more complex, complete, and professional the framework is supposed to be, the more difficult it will be for amateur and no-budget filmmakers like us to achieve it. So you have to weigh those two things against each other. Is it better to emulate a completed, professional-looking documentary that may be more difficult, time-consuming, and costly, or to choose a less demanding framework? So let's move on to the next framework and see what our other options are. Number two, after the event, discussions, and investigations. This framework of fake doc is often focused on a crime or events that took place before the advent of filmmaking, or events for which the presence of a camera was impossible or difficult. Most of these fake docs consist of talking head interviews, archival images or audio, and in some cases, dramatic reenactments of events discussed in the narrative. Like the fully produced documentary, which can contain talking heads as well, interspersed with real-time footage of the events, this fake doc is a produced product, but saddled with the limitations of the subject matter being remote or difficult to record. This actually makes for an easier production for the filmmaker, as they can use the perceived limitations to their budgetary advantage. 
the horror fake doc Lake Mungo and the fake historic doc about the Great War of the Californias called In Smog and Thunder are examples of this kind of film. The downside to this is that there is less real-time story taking place, meaning that most of the film is filtered through descriptions, pictures, things like that. It can be effective, but it's a bigger challenge to make this framework as entertaining as the fully produced documentary. However, it is also logistically easier to accomplish for the no-budget filmmaker. Number three, reality TV, finished and unfinished. The conceit of this framework of film is that the proceedings were being filmed by multiple cameras with the intent of editing the footage into episodes of a television show. This concept is often useful for creating situations where multiple disparate characters are required to be in a certain place or required to stay in a place for the entirety of the story. Uh, this also helps to frame a story, as most reality television series have a contest, a challenge, or a theme of some kind. Um, it also allows for a looser style because of the roving nature of the cameras. Uh, picture a reality series from MTV or Bravo, and that will give you a sense of this style. Reality TV fake docs can exist either as finished products. In the case of Series 7, The Contenders, the movie is created as a marathon of episodes from a previous season of a futuristic game show, um, or they could also be works that were interrupted before they could be completed. This is a very common element for movies that follow quote-unquote ghost-hunting television teams who find real supernatural activity, such as Grave Encounters, case number 342. Um, but they are, uh, they're included as a separate category because the filming style of your average reality series is different enough from a standard fully produced documentary that it feels like it warrants its own listing here. Category 4, Raw and Reconstructed Footage. This framework, also known as found footage, is certainly one of the most well-known and most often used of the categories. The broad definition of this category implies that footage was shot, but then the footage disappeared or was hidden, and the people shooting the footage died or vanished. The footage is rediscovered by someone who endeavors to assemble what is there into as cohesive a work as possible, thereby attempting to tell the story of the lost documenters with their own footage. The most famous example of this is probably The Blair Witch Project, though the half-documentary Cannibal Holocaust did explore the concept two decades earlier, and this method has since become the touchstone for most fake doc horror films since, from Apollo 18 all the way over to The Bay. From a filmmaking perspective, this is a fairly achievable framework. The conceit allows for it to not look too professional, a little sloppy, with sections conveniently missing in the event that those things would be expensive or difficult to shoot, uh, advantages like these are likely the reason that this framework is so frequently used in low-budget fake doc filmmaking. Number five, clandestine camera. This framework is pretty easy to explain, but it's difficult to accomplish. The entire film is recorded on cameras, which no one knows are recording them, and every moment of the film is made of secretly captured footage starring unsuspecting people. It is one of the lesser used conceits, primarily because it limits the film to locales and circumstances where a camera can be realistically and believably hidden from the people being recorded. However, when effectively done, as in the cases of 388 Arletta Avenue, Alone with Her, starring Colin Hanks, and the Adam Rifkin film turned Showtime series Look, it can be an effective and unnerving stylistic conceit. It's also good from a filmmaking perspective for a couple of reasons. It's generally easier to shoot a film if the cameras are supposed to be hidden and generally unmoving because it cuts down on logistics, 
and it allows your actors to perform, quote, naturally again, since there is no knowledge or awareness of the presence of a camera and they are not performing or playing to it. Number six, stationary action. This subcategory is perhaps the most difficult to make work effectively while simultaneously being, in concept, the simplest to produce. The stationary camera fake doc essentially compiles footage from cameras that are always running and stationary, with the action fortuitously happening in front of or nearby them. These films use security cameras, dash cams, anything that would be in one place and constantly recording. When the footage is captured with these cameras as they're happening, the film can almost be shot like a stage play, having the entire events of the film run in real time. That could make it simpler to shoot from a production perspective because it can be rehearsed and when executed right, you have the entire movie completed. However, coming up with a plot that conveniently unfolds in front of unmoving cameras is a challenge on its own, as is getting perfect performances from your actors, props, location, and any stunts or effects that need to happen. This is why this subcategory is probably the least used method. Large chunks of Paranormal Activity 2 work this way, and the entirety of Albert Pyun's 2005 film Infection, which is also known under its alternate title Invasion, was shot in a single take from a police car security camera. So if you're creative and you're up for the challenge, this framework can be a very effective choice. So these are the six major subcategories of fake doc. Some films in the subgenre will mix and match multiple methods, uh, the, the Blair Witch Project was originally intended to be fully produced documentary with found footage elements inside, and all that documentary footage that they shot actually ended up in a sci-fi channel special called Curse of the Blair Witch. Uh, and some of the films will even cross-pollinate between these methods while still utilizing actual narrative film footage, too. Citizen Kane, in fact, one of the greatest narrative films of all time, begins with a five-minute fake doc newsreel chronicling Charles Foster Kane's entire public life. So... Every one of these has their pluses and their minuses. Hopefully, as you move through your ideas and your list of options, you'll start to notice that one of them is going to be better for you in your specific filmmaking process. And who knows, there might be another kind of film style that doesn't easily fall into one of these six, and there's nothing wrong with that. These are simply meant to show you the six major ways in which people tend to utilize fake doc filmmaking in film. There's no rule that says you have to do it the same way. <laughs> 